The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. And so what that means is that you, know, you have the criminals looking always for vulnerabilities to exploit and monetize against the fact that organizations are heavily investing in transforming their infrastructure, their IT infrastructure to produce new services and all the benefits that come from that. But that potentially increases their attack surface. That was Mark Hughes, president of security at DXC Technology, speaking about how rising data usage by companies is inevitably boosting cyber risks. Welcome to The Exchange, a conversation with people of interest brought to you by Reuters Breaking Views. I am Lisa Yucca, the European Business Editor. In this podcast episode, I had the opportunity to discuss with Mark Hughes the challenges that companies face to tackle the exponential rise of cyber attacks, which last year rose by nearly 40% globally. Each week, Companies and institutions face on average more than a thousand of these attacks. Most of the data theft attempts are perpetrated by regular criminals who are seeking to make a financial gain by means of ransomware and similar, Mark Hughes told me. To make sure companies can better protect their data and operations, allocating the right budget on IT becomes all the more important. Finding the right talent to tackle cybersecurity challenges remains, however, an issue. So, Mark, welcome to the exchange. Welcome. It's great to have you here this week. Well, thank you, Lisa. It's really great to be with you today. Thank you. And, uh, Mark, I mean, it's a, it's a real pleasure to be able um, to discuss with you um, issues related to cybersecurity because what we have seen recently is a lot of data showing that cyber attacks have been on the rise. I saw some data from Checkpoint uh, suggesting that, you know, last year vis-a-vis the previous year, the attacks were up almost 40% and that each organization, each company suffered on average a thousand attacks per week. Um, so, so these numbers um, seem very large. I mean, can you tell us just for a start, I mean, what kind of risks, you know, are these? What kind of attacks are these? And, and why are they rising so much? So the, the issue is that whilst the, the, the attacks are increasing, I think there, there, there is also what's actually happening in the types of attacks that you're, you know, uh, is interesting to get into a bit. So first things, there's generally more reporting going on. So that's got something to do with the fact that, that, that we are seeing more, uh, more attacks being talked about because there is more reporting. And there's almost, a, to a certain extent, some form of normalisation of reporting. And there's new regulation perhaps we'll get into later on about how companies need to now uh, report on it. But, uh, and the but is, that notwithstanding the reporting, the attacks are rising. And the main issue that we're seeing is the type of attack which is commonly referred to as ransomware. And, and what that what really has happened in the recent past is that criminal gangs, mainly criminals, have focused their energy on denying organizations their ability to be able to work. So in other words, infecting them with malicious software that stops them from working. Now, that is then coupled with once that software has infected an organization, they then, uh, the criminal gang that is, will then demand a ransom 
which then uh, they will produce a de decryption key that, that allows an organization de to decrypt um, the malicious software that has been put into an organization's environment that allows them to recover. So that really is the type of attack in the main that organizations are experiencing. And it's so-called ransomware because it's ransom. So there's a ransom involved with malicious software. So that's the where part of it. So that's the type of attack that we are seeing where organizations are targeted, stops them from working, the criminals demand a ransom, and then companies, uh, if they then pay that ransom, will then uh, potentially get a decryption key or will recover without paying a ransom um, to be able to then start working again. So that's the type of attack that we're seeing. So, so that's the most common attack and, and the risk, I mean, for the companies is really uh, operational and financial, would you say, at the same time. So they basically are unable to perform certain functions as a company, plus they have to pay money to these gangs. I mean, is, is this what, you know, effectively that means when it happens? Yeah, exactly that, Lisa. So what happens is, here at DXC, we have 4,000 customers, we operate globally, and what I see, I see many of these, we're right at the front line of a lot of what happens in, in these instances, where, you know, when organizations are targeted, that exactly that, the ransom software, the malicious software that gets deployed into these environments stops the organization from being able to operate. Then there's an immediate financial impact because they can't potentially can't trade or part of their operations are targeted and means that they can't trade. Plus there is that question about ransom, but also then there's a subsequent problem that if there's, uh, and for any period of time, you know, some of the large organizations in our customer base here at DXC that we see that maybe then have to make a you know, report and, and there's a stock price impact to them as well. So there's both an operational and a financial impact. And then there's also the cost to recover as well. So a recovery operation to clean up and get the IT back up and running also has an implication. However, I'm afraid there's there's further bad news in this space that also some of the criminal gangs now, we see a, 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 a the next generation of these types of attacks where they will also steal information as well. And so what happens there is that an organization gets targeted, they can't necessarily operate, but the criminal gang will also then threaten the organization to say, we have data. And unless you respond to us and our demands for ransom, we will then leak that data and to potentially encourage an organization to be more inclined to try and uh, find a very quick solution uh, with that criminal gang. So that that is now we're seeing more sophisticated types of attack, but essentially it's the main issue is trying to stop an organization from working so that they are in a position where they're very vulnerable and need to respond very quickly. And my final when, point, yes, sorry, so my final sorry, point sorry, on this is, is just to say that you know, this isn't just about organizations being targeted in their email systems and things like that, although they are often targeted. It's also now what we call operational technology. So even infrastructure, civil infrastructure is being targeted as well. And again, that stops an organization from operating. And a good example of that, many of the listeners may well have heard of the colonial pipeline incident uh, last year, where indeed that, that happened, where the, that pipeline wasn't available on the east coast of the, of the US. So those are the types of things that we're seeing. Definitely. I, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about the third element that you mentioned, you know, the attacks on infrastructure. The, the one you mentioned, the, the colonial pipeline one, seemed to have been perpetrated by 
a gang uh, rather than uh, by, for instance, a, a, an enemy state. But obviously, because we have a war in Ukraine now um, since um, a year already, um, I mean, there's been a lot of fear that maybe because of the conflict, we would have seen a massive rise in that type of attack, you know, kind of infrastructure being targeted potentially by Russia or by forces uh, allied with Russia because of the conflict. Has that happened at all? Well, yeah, there has been a lot of a lot happening around the conflict. And even before the conflict uh, started, you know, there was a, a number of uh, issues and incidents where um, Ukrainian infrastructure was targeted. Uh, and, you know, as far back as, as, as you know, in, 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 20, in, in 2016, even there was already start, uh, uh, you know, instances when that happened, the so-called not, not Petya uh, infection happened, uh, which was again targeted against, uh, against Ukraine. So there have certainly been a number of instances, even before the conflict, where Ukraine has been targeted and during the conflict as well. So the idea that nothing is happening in this space is really not the case. There is a lot that is happening. And um, and that is, is ongoing as well. What I can see, though, from what has happened is we've learned quite a lot as well from how we've cooperated with industry and governments to help ensure that we protect ourselves against some of that uh, type of activity. So there is undoubtedly during the conflict there has been there have been well-documented instances where infrastructure has been targeted. There's a lot going on, but there's a lot of good things coming out as well in terms of how we are learning about how to collaborate and cooperate and respond quickly to these types of events as well. Um, and whilst that is really important, I still don't want to take away from the fact that most organisations are at risk, though, of criminal type of activity, uh, which may manifest manifest itself in a similar way. Um, but it, it's, uh, you know, it, it's not to say that the Ukraine conflict hasn't been significant in the cyberspace. No, absolutely. And I definitely want to go back uh, to the issue, the day-to-day -day issues that, you know, regular companies face. But since we were together at the Munich Security Conference not so long ago, and, you know, obviously the Ukrainian conflict was kind of dominating the discussions there, I suppose, um, you know, my question is, is also whether, you know, people maybe expected, you know, some of those infrastructure attacks to happen outside uh, Ukraine, because uh, as you explained, you know, there's been significant activity there. But I suppose, you know, the concern was that maybe grids or telecom networks around Europe, you know, could be targeted. And we haven't seen much. Is that because they were protected or because nothing is happening on that front? Well, certainly the, those attacks that we talked about earlier on being on the rise, everyone is being targeted, you know, all the time. So I think there is there's an almost an arms race. Here. So a lot of those organizations are have got better at protecting themselves. So it's not to say that those attacks aren't happening because they are happening. But I think also the defenses are getting better. So um, so we're seeing that. But very specifically, one of the things that you just mentioned, and I think everyone your listeners will be interested in, which is about this idea of contagion, which is that you have a, a, a targeted attack in one space, but then that spills out into, into other areas. And that is a very real risk. And that has happened. And we've seen that happening. So it might not be that other organisations are necessarily being targeted per se, but they then may become a vicarious victim of an attack that's targeted towards somewhere else. All of that adds up when you put all of that together, Lisa, about how organisations have to get better at having the access to the right skills and the right expertise to be able to defend themselves from attacks, whether or not they were the intended target to start with. 
Yes, definitely want to explore that. Uh, but let me first ask you again, you know, trying to better understand the reasons, you know, why these attacks are rising so exponentially. Is it because of the rise of uh, cloud computing? Is it because we are consuming more data, which is kind of distributed in a fragmented way? And so, uh, in a way, you know, the whole system is more vulnerable. Yeah, it's a great question. So I think the first thing to note is, number one, is that the, the starting point is the fact that there is a lot at stake in terms of the amount of financial gain that these potential criminals can make. So the motive, whenever you look at this, is all about do these organisations, these criminal organisations, can they uh, actually exploit vulnerabilities and then make money from it? And that's going to be, you know, that's going to continue uh, whilst they are still in a position to be able to exploit the vulnerabilities and turn that into, monetize that for themselves, you know, criminally uh, to make money from it. In in terms of though the the overall point about how infra the infrastructure and the ecos IT ecosystems, as I call it, are becoming more vulnerable, they're not necessarily becoming more vulnerable per se, but they are becoming more complicated. And so the as we often describe it in cyber, the attack surface that many organizations are having to manage is becoming wider and broader and indeed more complicated. And so what that means is that you, know, you have the criminals looking always for vulnerabilities to exploit and monetize against the fact that organizations are heavily investing in transforming their infrastructure, their IT infrastructure to, do, to produce new services and all the benefits that come from that. But that potentially increases their attack surface. And so you've got these two things where organizations have to react to that and, and look at that that attack surface uh, more broadly, where criminals are more intent on exploiting new vulnerabilities as they appear. So you've got those two things coming together. So absolutely, and many organizations that I work with uh, here at DXE, we absolutely are seeing their complexity. It's not just about cloud computing, it's about the whole ecosystem that they have and about that attack surface and looking right across it. Um, and clearly criminals are always looking for where they can exploit vulnerabilities. And as that attack surface broadens, they will continue to do that. Indeed. And so how well prepared are companies, you know, in, in dealing with this kind of change in environment, you know, where, as you said, the attack services is, is bigger? Uh, are they investing enough time, money and attention, um, you know, into the issue of, of protecting their organizations, you know, from this type of uh, attacks? Yeah, there's been a, a, a really a lot of investment going into cybersecurity, but quite often a lot of the issues that we see, and uh, as, as I said, working with many organisations, quite a, a lot of that is not necessarily, as, it doesn't start as a security thing per se, it starts in how well run is the IT with you know, full stop and how how able is an organization to be have its arms around all of its IT. And many of the organizations that, that we work with you know, are large multinational corporations that have very extensive, often quite heavily outsourced IT estates. So really understanding right across that environment where there are vulnerabilities is as much about um, is as much about being able to understand where you're vulnerable, uh, as well as also then investing in finding the security tooling to be able to do to to close down those vulnerabilities. So it's both things. It's about investment in security tooling, but also about having the wherewithal within an organisation to work out what that IT estate is and how best to protect it. 
So, um, you know, I just wonder whether indeed, you know, things are, are going in the right direction because uh, often if companies are involved, you know, in, in cost cutting exercises to be, you know, more profitable and increase their margins, you know, some of these costs can be IT. You know, I've seen many com companies trying to, to become more efficient, let's say, at managing IT and, and that's often a synonym for you know, paying less for the same uh, services. So, so I, I'm just wondering whether um, there are, you know, on, on top of the game. Um, and the second question I would ask you is, um, what about insuring uh, against cyber attacks? I mean, these products have become extremely popular. Uh, there's high demand, you know, for sort of insurance against cyber risks. Um, do they matter? I mean, is this the right approach? to, you know, defend ourselves? So it's a great couple of questions. So the first thing is when, when you actually look at organisations and how they're transforming, actually, sometimes a focus on cost to become more efficient actually lends itself to becoming uh, potentially better at understanding as organisations want to work out where they can focus on to become more efficient. Quite often that leads to a better understanding about what they're managing and maybe a reduction in that complexity, which then helps understand uh, from a security point of view what they need to protect. But what I would start with on this point is to say many organizations that I see really do need to focus on understanding what really is important and what's critical for their operation. That doesn't mean that doesn't get, you know, whether you're in an efficiency drive or not, that can still remain true. And most organizations have now ever more sophisticated risk departments where they can actually identify that risk and then really understand where they need to focus their effort on. And then if you take that then into a risk management process for an organization, which involves in part deploying security tooling to protect those things that are most critical to them, cyber insurance also plays a part in that of making sure that part of their risk management strategy will be to ensure some of that risk as well. So cyber insurance is a really important part, but it's not everything by any means. It's absolutely about understanding where you need to engineer in solutions to manage risk more effectively, as well as in some cases, bring in cyber insurance as part of that risk mitigation strategy to ensure some of that risk as well. So it's a number of different things together. Yes. Now, I mean, on the risk um, management strategy, we have um, planned rules in the United States, planned risk disclosure rules, which will force listed companies to basically disclose, you know, how they manage cyber risks. Uh, you know, I'm simplifying here, but, um, you know, they, they will be quite extensive, these rules, um, if applied. And, uh, and we know from the SEC, they, they want to, to sort of get them off the ground probably um, already uh, by the end of this year or beginning of the next. So um, how prepared are companies to, you know, comply with these requirements? You know, we're talking disclosing attacks, uh, disclosing pro the process, you know, they deal with, uh, they're talking, uh, you know, the rules also require the board to disclose, you know, whether they have a cybersecurity competence and what their level of competence is. So, um, you know, since you work with uh, companies across the globe, I'm just wondering, you know, if you could let us know how prepared they are to comply, well, you know, with the new rules. It's a great question. And we see new legislation emerging, as you just said, in the US, but also uh, in the European Union as well. And many jurisdictions have uh, forms of, of, of regulation, which some of which has already been there for some time and, and some of which now is increasing as well. 
So really uh, across the board, Lisa, I think there's a number of different things. There's a number of new pieces of regulation, but there's also existing as well. And really part of that reporting requirement has been in place for some time in any case. What I see working with many organisations is the following. First off, some organisations just aren't prepared to understand who they need to work with, be it law enforcement and other agencies who are responsible in that particular geography or that jurisdiction uh, for the cyber reporting or uh, or reporting from a, as you say, from a, a, be able to uh, to assure a regulator that they have the right protection in place. And that is a change from some organisations because they haven't had to deal necessarily uh, with those types of uh, those regulatory bodies. So that's one thing. I don't think that the regulation itself is going to be overly onerous on many organisations because a lot of it exists today. But I think understanding of how that particular organisation needs to work with their particular regulatory body in whichever sector that they're in is something that they're going to have to be very mindful of and be prepared for and also get to know how they're going to operate if indeed it comes to the worst and there is an incident. So that's where I see a lot of organisations struggling just keeping up with the changing regulation. You know, many, even large organisations don't necessarily have the ability to be able to understand all of these different things across all the jurisdictions they operate in. And that's often where I come in working in a multinational like I do in DXC to be able to help organisations keep up and understand that, not just from a regulatory point of view, but also from a, obviously a technical point of view, understanding the types of things that they're facing. So I think it's very possible for many organisations to do that, but they are going to need to know what they need to do and how they need to report it and which body they need to work with uh, in whichever jurisdiction it is that they're operating. But isn't also the case that, you know, companies, particularly large ones, may need more cyber expertise? I've seen reports, you know, quoting that there is a, a lack of cyber expertise, lack of cyber talent, if we can call it like that across most, the world. Most definitely. Most definitely. So there is there is firstly, uh, as I said earlier, a better on uh, a need for organisations to really understand their, their, their attack surface and understand their infrastructure and how vulnerable they are. Um, which involves, you know, understanding the risk associated with that. That requires expertise, so cyber expertise to really understand what they are actually vulnerable against. And then when you have that understanding and that plan in place to be able to put the right controls in, it's do you have the requisite security expertise to be able to do that? And I'm afraid our own uh, research, one of the key five themes is that lack of lack of cyber uh, expertise globally. We estimate that there's over 3.4 million vacancies at the moment, and it therefore is really, really tricky for even large organisations to be, be able to find the talent uh, to be able to help them. And that's often where I work with organisations. I have over 3,000 security professionals uh, in my team steep cyber expertise that can help organizations do that but it is a real concern 3.4 million people uh deficit at the moment and uh, that's only increasing as well so we've got a lot to do and many organizations i work very closely with many governments uh, across europe and asia as well and right across the globe to make sure that uh, these programs are in place to bring on new expertise uh, in the right areas to help companies be able to protect themselves so, so Mark, just trying to sort of sum up a little bit, I mean, it kind of looks like there are many challenges because the attacks are on the rise, um, the level of expertise required is increasing, there's lack of cyber talent and uh, new regulation, which is also um, coming uh, towards companies. So, so is it fair to say that in order uh, to tackle, you know, this growing challenge, companies will inevitably have to spend more? 
Yes, I think it is. And I think that spending might not necessarily be in just buying more security stuff, because that is often that's part of it, security tooling specifically. But it's also about the, the, the hidden cost, if you want, of the work that needs to go on to really gain detailed understanding of where an organization may be vulnerable. And bear in mind that could well be deep inside the supply chain uh, and really doing that analysis to then focus on what's critical. So I think there is inevitably, whether it's a direct cost or an opportunity cost associated with being able to do that uh, to organizations. But you know, I will say for many organizations, let's not forget the benefit that they get from real digital transformation uh, is huge in many organizations that open up, opens up new markets, uh, opens up new ways and efficient ways of working. Getting the cyber right around that is really important, the security more broadly around that, but it, it is often a, a fairly small investment when compared to some of the, the upside that, uh, that organizations can get from the types of new digital initiatives that we see many of our customers embarking on all the time. But yes, there is a cost to it, whether it's direct or indirect, that many organizations are really having to, to face and really invest ever more into. Okay, well, listen, Mark, I mean, it was a pleasure speaking to you. Thanks uh, for joining us on the exchange. And, uh, you know, let's stay in touch. Thank you very much indeed, Lisa. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast was produced by Oliver Taslich in London. Subscribe to the exchange and our sister podcast, The Views Room, on Apple Podcasts, Megaphone, or wherever you like to listen. Catch up with our latest views and much more on breakingviews.com and on Twitter, where our handle is at breakingviews. I'm Kim Vanell. Join me every morning for a roundup of what's happening at home and around the world. From the front line in Ukraine. Extraordinary how these people adjust and uh, even laugh when you take cover. To the heart of U.S. politics. When Trump said that he expected to be arrested, it seems like he was trying to get ahead of the story. We bring you everything you need to know in 10 minutes. For your essential daily briefing, follow Reuters World News wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.